are coming into, I am doing my Enneagram <laughs> 4 broadcaster voice and my yes, NPR voice. And I don't mean to be doing that. No, and welcome. Welcome to the transitional phrase. My name is Charity. Of us moving into part two of boundaries. That's right. So, hi. That's Renee. This is Nicole. Yes. I'm also known as Lord and Master. But what you need to know is that this is part two of a two-part episode on boundaries in which we talk about everything. And everything. But also boundaries. Enjoy. Goodbye. Um, okay, so this got me thinking for myself. What were some of the things that happened for me in order to start drawing different boundaries um, specifically for me with with my parents in this last year. And if you haven't listened to our therapy episode, please do. It's one of my favorites. Um, and Jesus, but also therapy. Is that what it is? And so the last year of being in therapy for the first time in my adult life, my first time in my life ever, one of the things my therapist is really good at is, and this like might sound kind of weird to people if they aren't familiar with therapy or, you know, if it's not, you don't have context for it, but she has me talk a lot about or tap into, I should say, the parts of me, the parts Mm -hmm. of myself. And a lot of, all of us carry this. I really believe this, that the parts of ourselves, there's like kid parts of us and there's teenage parts of us and there's adult parts of us. My adult part, my 40-year-old self is in control that I that is who's running my life, well, Jesus and me. But there's these other parts of us that get kicked up. Yep. And I've started to realize that when I would have a reaction, I would have a kind of weird reaction or response to something a parent was doing, and I would get to, I would feel like a tiny little bit of anxiety, or I'd feel a knot in my stomach, or I would feel a feeling of like, oh, oh I don't want to have this conversation, or some little tiny little flag would come up. I started to recognize those a lot easier and a lot sooner and see them for what they were. Whereas before I would have just ignored them Hmm. and been like, oh, well, I'm just going to go through and do what I do and I'm going to engage with my family like I always do and fall into my role and my place in this family. But now when those things get kicked up in me, I recognize them a lot sooner. I know that it's actually an alarm system in my body saying something is wrong There's a part of me that's getting Mm. triggered. Pay attention to that part of you. Give it a little attention before you give anybody else attention. Yep. That's a boundary for myself. It's huge. That's totally, it's really just genuinely out of self-love and care for myself. So I can pause and be like, okay, I'm just going to pay attention to this for just a minute and see if it's anything. If it's something, a memory comes up or, or I just know inherently that I should or shouldn't do something. I listen to that now and it is – I know I'm making it sound really simple and it kind of actually is really simple. It's been really simple but it's also been through therapy that I'm aware of this. And then I just make a different decision. It's the craziest thing. Right? But why weren't you <laughs> listening to it before? Because you felt like you had to operate under a role or you felt yeah. like you had to please people in the way that they had been pleased their whole life and now you're like – You know, I don't think I would have ever made the connection that I was like, I'm not a people pleaser. So – I wouldn't have ever attributed it to that. I would have just said, um, my role has always been, my, part of my personality has always been to just push through, just grin and bear it, um, carry the heavy load, 
uh, you know, don't pause to think about it. Don't stop to feel it. Mm. That is how I've survived. Yeah. And so I could, anytime those like feelings would come up, it I could just snap my fingers and make them go away. I didn't have to pay attention to them. My brain could even just lock them away as if it never happened. That yeah. alarm system had no bearing on my decisions. Yeah. It was like a quiet alarm. Now it's a louder alarm that I can hear and I can pay attention to. And so that I can stop to feel it. I can stop to pay attention to the emotions. I can process the emotions because that's where the real work happens. Mm. And you can't process emotions if you don't have boundaries. That's right. You can't feel all the things you need to feel if yeah. you're just letting everything in or everyone's opinion in right. or saying yes to all the things or taxing yourself, your time, your resources. You don't you don't have space yep. to process. It's so true. I love what you're saying because it, it, it flows into a lot of other things that I've been learning. There's a therapist also on Instagram who I, I know her. I knew her back when I was in grad school. She's one of my good friends best friends and her name is Nicole Sachs and she says everything that we are everything that's going on in your body she'll never minimize pain mm -hmm. but she says that pain is an indicator that something else is yeah. happening and your yeah, body absolutely. is telling you about something but also I also this semester got Enneagram certified and so now I'm an official awesome. Enneagram trainer <laughs> and I'm, I'm starting the advanced next week but there's my certificate don't need oh, a certificate yeah. though to prove my worth but <laughs> I do need a certificate though to, to train on the Enneagram. But quickly, the what I want to say on this, and I'm not going to unpack this fully, but it's something for those of you, you can continue on this. So when you look at the the triads, there's um, eight, nine, and one. Uh, those are Enneagram types, eight, nine, nine. That's the gut. And they really feel things. Like the first thing that happens, Nicole, you feel it in your body, not necessarily. Yes. You don't think about it. 100%. You don't feel it. You feel it in your body. Yep. So for those of you who are eight, nines, and ones, your whole life, you've probably felt it in your gut first, mm -hmm. where you felt the stomach ache or the headache or the uh, body ache mm -hmm. before you knew what was happening. Pay attention to that. For those of you who are two, threes, and fours, you're the feeling triad. All right, you feel it first. I feel weird. I feel this. I feel sad. I feel anxious. I feel whatever. That is your like mayday, mayday. Hey, uh, this something's happening, and we've somehow either ignored it, we've not recognized it, we've shamed ourselves, we've whatevered. Mm -hmm. And but that's our body saying this. This is yeah. you. This is me telling you this. And then. Five, six, seven, you're the thinking. You're the ones immediately, it's coming to mind. Hey, this this thing is happening. Pay attention to it. And I love that That's we good. have That's been helpful. created to process information differently, whether mm -hmm. it's through our body, whether it's through our hearts, whether it's through our heads. Yeah. And so many of us have disengaged those things for the sake of surviving. surviving. That's right. Jinx. And Jinx. we have done that, but now I would like to allow us to go back and re-honor that, that when I'm feeling a certain thing, um, you know, as, as a four, I'm a high feeler, and, and I'm a, I figured myself out, I'm a self-preservation four, which means I'm a sunny four, which is why I, I act and test as a seven. Um, I'm, I'm one of those fours who don't want, I will only let certain people know. That, that, yeah. <laughs> that, that certain Nicole has seen the fourness for four of me but not many other people have seen that kind of that part of me anyway so I have realized throughout my life that my emotions have tried to trying have been trying to tell me things my entire yeah. life and now thankfully because of therapy and Jesus and all of the things and even the Enneagram Enneagram 
Now when my emotions say something to me, I stop and I first ask it if it's true. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, if you're true, what are you saying? And I honor that now because that's how I was created by my God. That's so good. And so Nicole, when you feel something in your body, because you're an eight Mm -hmm. in your gut, when you feel something in your gut or anywhere else on your body, in my do, you, gut. do you say, hey, gut, what are you telling me? What are you trying to tell me, God-given gift of my gut? I mean, gut? I don't say it out loud, but I definitely like pause to just pay attention and say, is there something that's being, is there something that's being kicked up? And if it is, why? What is it? Yeah. Or even I can feel at times like if it's attached to a memory mm. from my childhood, I can feel the younger part of myself like I can feel what I felt like as an eight-year-old when that thing happened happening in your body yes or I can feel what I felt like as a 12-year-old when that thing happened and then it's just literally a moment of just like acknowledging that 12-year-old part of myself wow just like giving her a minute which sounds super weird I know but it's those things don't go away they don't leave us yeah and it's honoring to me, it's still part of me to say, oh, I remember that this thing was hard for you and that's getting triggered right now with this parent interaction or this other family member or whatever it might be instead of, you know, ignoring it, which is what I've done for so long. And a huge component to boundaries is, and I think this is where Jesus comes in, is allowing us to recognize what we need when we need it. Yes. And guaranteed when you were 12 and you had whatever this this gut feeling yes. was, you weren't able That's to process exactly it right. appropriate. It's funny, when I go back to 12-year-old stuff, I it's the feeling. Uh-huh. I immediately you know, feel I was it. feeling shame, I was feeling joy, I was feeling intimidation. Yes. I was it's always the because fe- I'm the I'm a yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah, and I very often can't even name my emotions attached uh, yeah. to some of those things. Immediately, sometimes it takes me a while to actually yeah. name the emotion before the feeling or before the body feeling. But that's actually makes me think of a good point too of for our own kids, you know, for those of us that are parents, um, I do really believe it's one of our jobs to be able to help our kids establish boundaries for themselves yeah. and help them know how to communicate and exercise those boundaries because children don't know. They don't know. Some kids actually do. Some kids are actually really naturally good at being like, I don't want this. I don't like this thing. I don't want to do this. My oldest is Yes. I have – one of mine is better at that than the other two. But but still, it's also still part of our job to clue in and say, hey, you know, is this thing difficult? How can we help? How can I help establish a better space for you to feel like yourself? And that can be – there's so many things like I feel like we could talk a million hours about like as example one personal space personal space is an area where we have to set boundaries as women personal space is something that's even more important but everyone has personal space preferences right um it's actually cultural it is cultural and women we have like i have you and i will have a triggered response for personal space if a man that we don't know steps into our personal space versus if a woman steps into our personal space right so women have a we have an even but certain women can trigger me just right no i'm not saying they can't i'm just saying i at least i have more of a more of a an alert system for for men in my personal space but that's also from my childhood so as an example like kids their personal space is impeded upon a lot and you know, when we hear, when we talk about consent and we talk about kids being, you know, having family members in there like, give me a hug, give so-and-so yes. a hug, go hug this person or hug a stranger, like hug someone you barely know and you're forced to do that. Or, I mean, my generation, 
our generation, that happened a lot. Lots. Well, that's I how would, I was I, molested yes. so often. Exactly. That's it's right. Yeah. There was no boundary for personal space for a child yeah. because yeah. people were allowed to get close to you that shouldn't have been yeah. allowed to get close to you. Yeah. And I think about I would never force my child to hug someone. I've never ever told my kids like yeah. I mean, maybe I've asked them like about hugging their grandparents. But even then there's been times when they haven't wanted to and I'm like, okay, I've never forced them to. But that's just an example of like ways that we can help our kids set boundaries too because they need them around so many things as well. We have to do it for them in a lot of ways. It's true. I do ask my kids to say hi. When people come over, they need to come out and say hi and they have to say goodbye because I feel like that's a a kind (laughs) thing to do, but never the hug. Yeah. Because I think for the same reason that you let people know, like I might feel uncomfortable. I mean, I'm uncomfortable hugging a stranger. Oh, so am I. I And so why wouldn't a four-year-old be uncomfortable hugging a stranger? That's also such a churchy thing, like – there was a guy. Do I tell this story? I sure. feel like this uh, this episode's going to be two parter. There's this guy in my in our college group who. Um, oh god! You know this story. story. You should tell this story. I feel like the story will uh, be okay. Listen, there are some of you who are listening to this, and this you need to listen to this story right now, now because you have people in your life that you need to be cautious. Listen, I'm telling you this. I feel this alarm right now happening. Nicole's going to tell a story. There are people in your life who you've been wondering about, and I'm telling you, let your alarm, listen, yeah, listen to your, to your alarm, listen to your alarm, listen to your alarm. I think part of the point of the story, maybe I shouldn't say the point until I tell the story, but part of the point of the story is that no, our, you tell the story. okay, I'll tell the story. <laughs> so there was a guy in our college group, um, our church college group, Jonathan and I were just friends at this time. Um, there's a big group of us that would all hang out and at Jonathan's Zen house. And um, this particular guy, I'll call him Joe, he used to just give me the creeps. Like, I just, I had the creeps around him. I couldn't explain it. I, he made me very uncomfortable. I did not like being near him. He was, he attempted to be very touchy-feely all the time. And he would always hug all the girls. All the girls would hug. You know, in like college groups and everyone's just like, I'm hugging, I'm hugging. And like no one was saying no. I just – I would sit and watch think, I would never let this person touch me. I couldn't understand how people were just giving hugs. And people were – there were other things that were happening, which I'm not going to go into because I think that's unnecessary. But he would come up and be like – Joe would be like, hey, Nicole, give me a hug. Like that whole situation, give me a hug. You know what I would say. And I would, no, no, I flat, I would flat look at him and I would say, no. And I would walk away. you. And there was one time where I did that and Jonathan had like seen me do that and had kind of, was kind of surprised like, oh, I was like, absolutely not. Come to find out months later, this person was involved in, I can't really go into it, but. He was recording. He was girls, exploiting right? and recording uh, girls in undressing. And I won't get into the details. It was horrifically sad. It was an extraordinary violation. And this is like a Christian. This is Christian culture kind of yeah. like. It was deeply upsetting. I felt so grieved for some of these women that I knew that this, you know, had had been his victims, actual victims. And, you know, I wouldn't even let him touch me. And that's not to shame the girls that hugged him or found themselves in other, you know, in other situations. 
at all. They were victims. He was messed up. But I felt like for me, I kept thinking, I just wasn't scared to listen to my intuition. And Mm. we can call that a lot of things. I think intuition is generally the Holy Spirit. Um, I wasn't scared to listen to it. And it was really loud for me. Maybe it was quieter for other people. I don't know. But I wasn't scared to listen to it because women, especially women in our American culture, but also women in the church, we're told to be polite. Mm-hmm. We're, and loving. And loving. And being polite means giving the person the hug that's like, hey, give me a hug. Being polite is, you know, getting on an elevator with someone, even though they make you hella uncomfortable. Being polite is letting that creepy guy walk you to your car, even though he, you don't want him to. All of those things because we're told to be polite instead of actually listening to our intuition, which when we listen to that, enables us to draw boundaries i my boundary with him was you may not touch my body period and that was it and that protected me yeah i love that you're saying this because another thing is is that this whole idea within because there are two questions that really also came up that i think we've addressed in a roundabout way but you know for those christians who feel like it's the nicety niceties mm-hmm. how do we how do when we think we have to be a certain person within mm-hmm. the church, how do we rise up against being that person mm. and and be the person who we actually are? Yeah. Does that make sense? Or how are we just not afraid of being impolite? How are we not af- afraid of being impolite? But listen, it is not impolite to tell a molester to not molest you. Right? 100%. That is not impolite. And I think that's the conversation we should be having. That if you think somebody is sketchy, it is not impolite for you to tell that person, no, you are not allowed to violate right. me. Well, what you're asking about, which I think is worthy of its own entire episode, is the way that the church helps create, foster, and protect abusers, which is a totally different <laughs> conversation. Yeah, the Duggar is No, 100% because this week. This this dude, Joe, was able to do what he was able to do in part because of church culture. Yeah. Not entirely, but in part. Yeah. And so that's really a separate conversation. Well, yeah. And, you know, going into purity culture, which we did do an episode about as well, this whole idea that women so – we're told mm-hmm. to shut ourselves off from men. Mm-hmm. But then when we get attention from men, it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to shut right. this How off because sh- we yeah. have an innate need that's to right. be seen. That's right. That is just an innate It's the ongoing balance need. of that. And so we shut it off in so many healthy ways and we don't understand how to turn it on in turn turn it on in healthy ways. That's right. That's so, so good. So then we then boundaries are crossed. Listen, again, to Nicole's point, I'm not blaming any women. I believe that the, the they are victims to these kinds of things. But I think we need to uh, the same thing with white supremacy. We need to tear the system down. The system of uh purity culture has to be torn down. To protect women. Yeah, 100%. And even men, because I know plenty of men have been molested in the church. 100%. Now, the second thing was with parents. Listen, I do not, under any circumstances, with one of my parents who is an avid Trump supporter, we got into a huge yelling match where I was like, you worship Donald Trump more than you <laughs> worship Jesus. I said this. Yeah. And I was like, I, I've never heard you talk about Bush, Reagan, that those are the only other Bush. The other Bush. I was like, listen, I've been around for all of the Bushes and all of the Reagans and all of that. And I was like, I've never heard you 
promote a president like you have this one. Yeah. And I was like, it's idolatry. <laughs> oh, and this parent got really upset. And this parent like shouted back. And this parent is a hard two and doesn't shout, but shouted back. And then we both just stood there and we're like, we're never going to agree. Never going to agree. We are never going to agree. Mm-hmm. And we made a truce right there in the kitchen. Yeah. We'll never talk about Donald effing Trump right. again. That's right. And we have that you do. And listen, and then I thought, you know, it's COVID. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't want to ever leave. Listen, and this might sound like I'm acquiescing. This is the decision I made. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. This is what I did. Yeah. I decided, you know what? I love both my parents more than... I don't want I don't want to bury I don't want to have to say goodbye to them in a covid wing if yeah, yeah. the worst case scenario right. over FaceTime. Yeah. Knowing that the last conversation we had was about what a fucker Donald Trump exactly. was. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. about Donald effing Trump. Yeah. I care about my parents. Yeah, that's good. All right, listen. I said he's not our president anymore. I can honor him all the f I want. No, you can say it. So even anyway, when he is our president. I, Donald Trump makes me so angry. <laughs> I can't even handle how angry, how angry this man made. And he's fundraising for 2024. Listen, don't go down that trail right now. Okay, wait. I'm drawing a yeah, You said boundary. I'm drawing a boundary. Right. So anyway, I can't parents. be talking about Donald Trump. I listen, have, no, I cannot. I rebuke right all now. of those funds for 2024 <laughs> in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, son of the living God. All right. So listen. So I made a decision in my mind's eye. I am not going to say goodbye to my parents over FaceTime. Knowing that we've been fighting over Black Lives Matter and Donald Trump. Right. When I could be asking my mom or my dad Mm -hmm. to breakfast Mm -hmm. or to lunch. Mm -hmm. And yes, we're not talking about anything deep. No, they don't know what's actually happening. They don't actually know what's happening in my life. No, that's the thing, though. They don't know about my heart of hearts. Mm -hmm. They don't know what I actually believe. Yeah. They they probably think I'm a Marxist communist. It's highly likely. They probably think I'm a Democrat. Highly likely. They probably think all of these things. And that's okay. Yeah. For me... I I want them to know that I love them. That's so good. And listen, they know how I feel about black lives. Yeah. They know how I feel about Donald Trump. They know how I feel about lots of things. Because I kind of have a hard time keeping any of my things quiet. They know. Yeah. But now they also know that I love them. Yeah, that's so good. And I'm also not going to take any shit. <laughs> I think, okay, this is... What you're bringing up is really important, I think, and it's kind of like a, it's kind of a bittersweet or catch-22 in terms of boundaries because there's something, and this could apply to not just parental relationships, like this could be friends, this could be coworkers, this could be your spouse, unfortunately, hopefully not, but it could very well be when we sometimes draw certain boundaries around things that we, that we keep for ourselves that we know aren't safe for us to talk about in order to even do the loving thing, which you're talking about, there's still, at least in my experience, there's still a grieving. Oh, yes. 100%. Because I can't talk about those things. And so then even with someone that I care about and love, there's only so much Mm -hmm. they can know about me and experience with me. Because like, if I have family members and I can't talk about Black Lives Matter – that's a huge part of me that they can't 
share with me. And it is, I mean, it's so tragically sad. But it's their choice. I know. I'm not discounting that. I'm saying, well, it's my choice too because I've drawn the boundary to protect myself. But as you're saying, to protect the relationship, to for the relationship to even be anything. Yeah. And then you you lose some part. Oh, yeah. And then 100%. you gain another part. That's it. Yep. I mean, I don't think that's the case with any with all relationship boundaries. Uh, that's not. Some boundaries actually bring more life and abundance yeah. and, and joy when we're talking about protecting time or we're talking about protecting a resource or things yeah. like that. But in these kinds of tricky things, man, there's a trade-off. It is. And I, I listen, have I, do I feel like there's a trade-off? Yes. They don't know my full true self, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Listen, they're also of a generation where they don't really have friends. Mm-hmm. They don't really have, the, their generation is very, very different. So the relationship that I have with you is very different than the relationship yes. that I have with them. And I think that's satisfying. I think for them yes. knowing that I'm going to show up mm-hmm. and knowing that I'm there is enough. I yeah. think that's that's their expectation of me. And so that's what I'm going to give them. Now, if they want to know how I feel about all of those things mm-hmm. and I have that invitation, I will give it to them. Mm-hmm. But I can't right now because it's not safe for me. Right, that's exactly right. The other thing really quickly about time, I am one of those people I say yes to everything. I am a high capacity person. But I have decided to say no and I just resigned a position uh, that I really thought I wanted and it turned out I didn't want and I got invited to be on all of these ridiculous committees and I said no to all of them I watched you say no to quite a few different things and I was like Renee and I listen and I used to think if I because remember I wanted to chase after these things thinking I was going to find my calling and if I did if I said no to any of them maybe I would miss my calling right and now, listen, I might have missed my calling by saying no to you this committee. You did not committee. miss your calling no, by saying I was no kidding. to the committee. I was kidding. But I didn't. And so I'm doing that. And I'm, listen, and you know how old I am and you know I'm now walking into this place because there are things that I truly do want to accomplish. And if I let the committees distract me yeah. or even the things that seem uh, prestigious, right? Oh, if you do this, you can put it on your resume. I don't yeah. need anything more on my resume. I need to stick to what my goal is. I have a very specific goal and that's what I'm looking after. And if any of the things that are outside of that goal are being requested of me, my answer is a hard pass. Even in diversity and inclusion, we're realizing that there are companies that need us because a venture capitalist is pissed because somebody did a microaggression. Somebody made a racist comment to somebody else and they want a quick three-hour bias training. My answer, listen, and a three-hour bias training is several thousand dollars. It's good money. No. Why? Because I can't fix the culture of your company if y'all are going to be like inherently racist and the only reason you're just putting a bandaid on it you are knee-jerking because your venture capitalist is not going to give you the millions of dollars that's right you want a three-hour training from us that's going to to look good jack crap it's called performative my friend it's called performative so guess what we are going to forego those several thousand dollars Mm -hmm. because we need a long-term commitment with you it's a good boundary right right and listen if right okay there's that the second thing oh damn i had a good second thing and i forgot oh okay the Derek Chauvin thing that happened, I realized that night I had a breakdown, a breakdown, because somebody close to me who also happens to be white said to me, well, this verdict tells me mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. the system is not racist, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. oh, you better believe mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I was triggered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I was very thankful to have been triggered, because what it allowed me to see also 
was that there had been other people who also happened to be males and Christians, not always white though, because black people can also uphold the system of white supremacy, just as women can uphold the system of misogyny, um, would come over to my house after I served them, like filet mignon or bought You're them so in and fancy. out. so fancy. Oh yeah, oh, I am fancy. <laughs> Tonight I served Evan f- sirloin, grass-fed sirloin. Fancy. Oh, yeah, and like uh, farmer's market kale is good. It was good. And um, lactose-free milk in your mashed potatoes so you weren't <laughs> farting a storm up in here. And so anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, these people would come and eat my food and then they your would friends. spend they are the your e- friends. They are my friends. They're not just random people. And then they would spend the evening <laughs> poking me yes. about my politics mm-hmm. and my work. Yep. And they were not giving me a darn penny. That's right. And they were draining my lifeblood. Mm-hmm. One of them even wanted me to watch a performative video at 11:30 at night. And I realized that the Derek Chauvin night, I was like, they are these men are no longer allowed to come over and eat food that I've cooked with my hands or ordered on Grubhub. <laughs> Either both require a lot of effort on my part. And and then allowed to take advantage of yeah. me and ask me to give them for free mm-hmm. what Here. people pay me hundreds of dollars an hour to do. Yeah. Oh, work. Renee, school me. But not really school me, teach me really because, because they really just are messing with you. They're just po- mm-hmm. Hell no. Hell no. So one of these people came over the other night and my husband put up a boundary for me, texted me beforehand, is this person allowed to come over? I said, yes, we are not talking about politics or race. If it comes up, I am leaving the room. Yeah. You know this now. Mm-hmm. I will not apologize for it. And he said, deal. And guess deal. what? There were some pokes. There were some pokes, Pokey but pokes. we 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 circumnavigated those. Okay, good. You're talking uh, to you okay. I think we're just going to keep going because then I, this is going to be a two parter. Okay, so you brought up. Then friendship. we don't have to do a second. Episode. So then you brought up friendship. So we oh. talked. We've talked a whole bunch about parents. We've talked a little bit about inside of the church. What about setting boundaries with friends? I mean, okay, here's the biggest heartbreak of my life. And you know about this. I am a, I'm a really good friend. Mm-hmm. I'm a really good friend. You are a good friend. I have friends I've had for years. There are very few friends that I've broken up with. And a couple of, there was one friend who I, there was a deserving breakup because I, I Christianized them. And then another one, I just, I did the wrong thing. And it's fine. She put up a boundary and I'm happy for her. But I, I've apologized to her and whatever. Anyway, I'm actually glad we're not friends because I actually didn't ever like her. So, and I'm being honest. <laughs> no, um, no, it's just But funny. here's the thing. I, and listen, this is a for integrating to unhealthy two-ness is constantly reaching out because a lot of times it's, it is performative and it is, I'm reaching out to you to see how you feel about me. Mm-hmm. I think I know that there's yeah. some of that. So there was some of that, but there was also just me like truly reaching out to people because I genuinely love yeah, them. Yeah, of course. I decided to stop that mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Yeah, I remember. And it was crickets. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder if I stopped reaching out to these people if we would still have relationship. Yeah. And the answer, my friends, is no. Yeah. And that was a heartache to me. And listen, I don't. I still don't know, you know, what it was. I know that friendship is hard. I know that holding you know texting can be hard phone calling is hard all of those things i don't want to underestimate the hardness of all of them 
But I think for me, if it's an unreciprocated friendship, I'm willing to let it go. No big deal. Hmm. That's where I am now. That's your that's the boundary you have right now around friendship. That's the boundary I have right now. If it's unreciprocated, see ya. That's good. Because I got friends who want to be around me. Yeah. And if you don't want to be around me, then I'm going to go have wine with somebody who wants to have wine. That's right. I don't know what I – I don't know if I really have, like, friendship boundaries. I mean, no dickheads. Like, <laughs> like don't be a That's dick. Mr. Dickhead to you. Like, don't be a Mr. Dickhead and then try to, like – I just – I don't – I really – I feel like I've always been really good about the people that I let be in my life, especially in terms of friends. Like I, even from when I was younger, I've never really. You're also an introvert, so it's easier for you to kind of navigate that. Yeah, I don't need like all the people all the time. I just need some of the people some of the time. And I really just need my favorite people some of the time, which can also hurt my friends' feelings though because I'm not as extroverted or like always willing or ready to like do all the things my introversion forces a lot of boundaries for me Mm -hmm. and it does play into my friendships and I think I have to be able to communicate that and like the people that know me know but it's it also can't be an excuse yeah right like we can sometimes let our boundaries become crutches yeah and say oh well I've drawn this boundary because I'm an introvert and so that means like my time is so limited and I can't spare a moment to be with people and I don't ever want my introversion or boundaries to be a crutch or prevent me from loving people. So, yeah, I don't have anything like specific that comes to my mind. I just have good friends. So just no, no jerk holes. You jerk do holes. have a good group of friends. And it's true. I think that when I've weeded down all of my friends, I don't have any shitty shitties in my life yeah. anymore. I have True Blues. I have mm-hmm. the True Blues. Carrie, you're out there. I don't know if Carrie listens to this, but she's been my friend since we were yeah, four. Yeah, awesome. I mean, it's going to be 40 years. I know, it's so crazy. I love it. 40 years she's we've been friends. Mala is still my friend that's been 42 years. Um, you know, we. I've got my True Blues. And, um, you know, I've got my f- friends from every decade. And then I've got the people who need me because I can prophesy over them. <laughs> Sorry, go get a crystal ball. Yeah, not for you. Not you need for to you. cough it up. No. Nope. And then I've got the friends, you know, who, I don't know. I feel like I've weeded it out. And the people who are in my life are in my life now. Yeah. And I'm good with that. Yeah. I am i don't feel like I have to prove myself by the number of my friends. I yeah. feel like now, I don't have to prove myself, period. Yes, there That's it is. a huge boundary yeah, that I've right. made. Like, I don't have anything more to that's prove. That's so good. And, um, I mean, I've got more to accomplish, but no more to prove. Yes. And... And I think that's really important. And there was one more thing I had to say, but I don't remember. Oh, I thought of a story. Good. Can I tell the story? Okay. So one friend who had been my, like, one of my high, my high school best friend and into college. And we were very close. Like, I would have said we felt a lot like sisters. She lived in my house at a, for a certain time. And you know, we for college, I went to the East Coast and she stayed in Arizona. But we stayed really connected. But once she got married before me and then I got married and then our relationship really kind of started to shift and change and our paths kind of diverged. And every time I would hang out with her, I would leave and I would feel really badly about myself. Mm. And I couldn't ever put my finger on it. I didn't know what it was, why that was happening. And 
you know, I mentioned to Jonathan, and he's like, yeah, well, when I've been around both of you to get, like, I just don't even like the way she talks to you. Mm-hmm. And so I started to pay more attention. So the next time we hung out, I realized, like, she was kind of putting me down a little bit, a little patronizing, looking down on my choices, things I was doing. And then I had my mom. My mom, of course, knew her because she lived with my parents at one point. My mom and her and I went to dinner, and even my mom noticed it. And I was like, oh, okay, I have to I have to do something. I mean, I didn't have the term then draw a boundary, but I was like, I ha- I can't just keep being with this person. And I should say, there was a point where we, we thought we were going to break up as friends and we had both fought really hard. More specifically, I had fought really hard to maintain the relationship. And so I felt even worse. I felt like I was like locked in mm. and I couldn't let it go. So... I was like, I, ha- I have to do something. So I scheduled a dinner with her. And my whole plan, I was going to sit down and I was basically going to tell her, we can't be friends anymore. Like, I appreciate the time we've had together. We've been through so much together. We even fought to save our relationship. But th- it, our friendship is done. Like, it's it has run its course. And I, I go and I'm really nervous. Like, I've never had to do that with a person in my life that I care about. I sit down. She looks at me and she says... I'm moving to New York. And I was like, wow. Thank you, Lord. Like, that sounds so yeah. terrible. But it was exactly what I needed. Yeah. And what she needed. And then that was it. We didn't have to have a whole story. I didn't have to hit, say a whole thing. But I was prepared to draw that boundary. Yeah. But I didn't have to draw that boundary. But that was the first time of really realizing, paying attention to how someone treats me in a friendship. Yeah. That... You know, no one should make anybody feel like that. Also, and I'm sorry that she made you feel like that. I feel like oh, yeah. that's very much competition. And was she oh, envious? Hundred uh, percent. I don't know. I can't really guess her motives. I just know it just didn't feel good, and it wasn't worth it wasn't worth saving. But I think too, and we I know we have plans to talk about friendship at some point. But I think a boundary can, around friendship can also be knowing when to let friendships go, knowing yeah. when to let relationships die, because. I think you're someone, you've had friendships since you were a little, little, little kid. But for a lot of us, and it is actually normal and natural for friendships to run a certain length of time. Yeah. I mean, some guests will be lifetime, but some are only three years, five yeah. years, seven years. And that's okay. Yeah. That is a boundary. You don't have to hold on to something that's dead yeah. or dying. It's true. And then there's the day-to-day mm-hmm. and there's the lifelong. Yes. Right? So mm-hmm. like I mentioned Carrie. Carrie and I, we text or Vox. It's Voxer. It's an awesome app. Like, I don't know, yeah, several times a month. Mm-hmm. But we don't – and she did bring over food when we got COVID, mm-hmm. which was – oh, my God, the food she brought over. <laughs> she does have a business. It's called Wells Being because she's Carrie Wells and yeah. Wells Being. It's so great. So <laughs> look her up on Instagram and on Twitter and all of that. She's hilarious. Um, she is hilarious. But she so she brought amazing food over, and my kids were like, "What?" And I was like, "I know she would so be a better mom cook for you, uh, but she doesn't <laughs> want kids, so those kids missed out." Um, but anyway, like that kind of thing. But you know, my other friends, it's like we're always there for each other, but we're not in each other's every day. Yeah, and I think that's important too to recognize the people who are there and the people who are the every day. Yeah, like you're a kind of an every day. Mm-hmm. I have a couple. I don't have a whole lot of every dayers because I have a lot of other things happening right. every day. Yeah. And there's just, there's not a lot of capacity for that. But I think this, there's also the douchey boundary people. (laughs) The people who are like, this is my boundary. 
I have a boundary. I have a, such a boundary, like, and I'm gonna like establish boundary, this boundary. You, know, you can't touch. I'm sorry. Did I offend you? I'm sorry, <laughs> but I have a boundary that people cannot tell me when I have offended them because my okay, Rachel Hollis oh, needs a effing boundary. Okay, look her up. I'm not gonna go into her. She needs a boundary. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, for her to have established an entire platform and not apologizing. I know. So she didn't apologize. We shouldn't be surprised. No, we should I not never be surprised. this woman. No right? one should be surprised at the events that have right, unfolded. But this woman, we we won't. We, we won't. need a boundary, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. There are certain people who are going to put up boundaries, all right? <laughs> and they're going to talk like this because these are the people who are like, um, this is my boundary. If you don't, uh, Prada. Prada? Okay, that's my boundary for friendship. <laughs> if you don't have this much money in your bank account, this your is your accent not- just took a total <laughs> swing to another side. I know. I don't know what it was. It's because I'm watching Fresh Off the Boat, and I think oh, I'm yeah. doing Constance Wu. I listen, Constance Wu on Fresh Off the Boat is glory. All right, so. Yes. So people who put up boundaries who don't, those are not actual boundaries. Those are just people being biatches. 100%. So here's, I think the measure of a boundary is compassion. That's good. If it's self-compassion, boundaries are an act of self-compassion and boundaries can also be an act of feeding compassion to others. When you were trying to suss, suss out, like, is this person... Should I set this boundary? Is this an actual is this boundary? Or is this other person setting an right. actual boundary? Or is this yes, person yes. need to be broken up with? Right. Right? The, I think the test is, is what the root of whatever is going on with needing this boundary, is it compassion? Yeah. And if it is compassion, then it is a healthy boundary. That's right. And if it's not then it is some sort of Instagram concocted Rachel Hollis bullshit boundary yeah. that y'all y'all need to just fall Or it's on. an excuse to be it's an excuse to be rude. It's an excuse to be insular. It's an excuse mm-hmm. to be elitist. Unapologetic. Unapologetic. It's it's an excuse to be a dick. That's what we were talking about. That's right. A lot of people also I will say, I think a lot of times if people are new to setting boundaries, you can swing really far. Oh, yeah. And be like, I'm locking down every part of my and life. That's okay. It is okay. You will self correct, and you'll be feel like a, when you feel like a douche, <laughs> right? That's when you know right. you need to self correct. <laughs> people are like, why, why? That's normal. We like start something. We're like, I'm going to set all the boundaries in all the areas of my life, and then no one can even have access to if you, you start or whatever. Shouting a lot. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's time to reassess. You might need to go to therapy before you, you will. Set your next you will. Boundary. You will self correct, but it is natural to. Like <laughs> I shout a lot. Kind still. of overdo it. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about. We haven't talked about Jesus yet. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about Jesus, and then we'll probably be done. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you're lucky. But this is a great ep. I think I feel really happy about this episode. <laughs> I'm really glad you feel really happy about this episode. <laughs> this is also the only episode that I've ever had three glasses of wine. Oh, I know. Also coupled with three Fs. Okay, I let four or five. Um, that's Jesus, okay. Jesus and boundaries. That's okay. Um, this is the thing. Here's the thing. Jesus set boundaries. He did. Now he didn't call them boundaries because he wasn't on Instagram. <laughs> but they that's were the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> but they were absolutely <laughs> boundaries. No one called them boundaries in scripture, but but they were boundaries for real. <laughs> So he was like, you guys, I got to climb the mountain because I got to go set a boundary. I got to go pray. So we all know when people are like, well, even Jesus had to have time with the Father and he had to go and pray. Yes, he did. He was actually setting a boundary. There are lots of instances 
where he would be like, oh, this is too many people. <laughs> and he would leave, which my introvert heart very much relates to and loves and, and adores I think Jesus about wasn't Jesus. I think Jesus was an introvert. Was an introvert. Oh, I've, gotten into, I've gotten into fights with people. They're like, he was for sure an extrovert because he was like the Lord. Oh, because only the Lord can be an no, extrovert. It's because it's we because have... because you're an extrovert and no, you think you're the insane. best. We have a white supremacist culture. We also have an extrovert supremacist culture. <laughs> it's very true. The world Made is run by extroverts. by Susan King. Yeah, the world is run by extroverts. Um, 75, 25, they say? Even... Something like that. Look, even... Built offices are made for extroverts. For extroverts. That's right. But listen, they're right. actually not conducive to extroverts either. We have one of these bullpen um, offices. Yeah. And I, as an extrovert, I'm like... It's too much. It's too much stimuli. And I can't get anything done. Well, that's just yeah, human nature, but... Okay, so Jesus would be like, there's a lot of people here. I'm going to take a minute. And he would leave the crowd To recharge. To go recharge, which like, is so beautiful. He would recharge with wine, just like Renee's about to do. Pour herself another... <laughs> I poured way more than I needed. And okay, so then this was um an example that my very wise and insightful husband shared with me. He gave me two examples. One, he we were talking about this the other night at dinner and he was like of Jesus and boundaries. And he was like, Well, think about even at um Jesus with his family. Jesus mm. with his family. What's the story where he's like, you guys can wait outside. His Who mother, are my and mother brother. and my Who brother? Who are my mother and my brother? Hardcore Jesus. He was like, you guys can wait outside because I'm doing what I'm doing right now. And I'm not going to let my family or family obligations or family expectations impede upon what I feel like I need to be doing right, right now. And I think that, that they blows were actually, my mind. It's true. And to really quickly say, to interject really quickly there, I'm no theologian. I may You're have not? Gone to, I know I may have gone to Bible school 40 years ago, but I'm no theologian. <laughs> um, I did get a 3.9 GPA though. and so But but my, my point here is that I believe um, that when he said, who are my mother? Okay, yeah, do it in the microphone so people can hear. Done. Listen, that's a beautiful sound, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and like I would big. name the brand that we're drinking, but they all they have to pay us. I don't do anything for free anymore. Oh yeah, don't know. Anyway, we're so big so that they before, need to pay us. No, listen, just in general, I am big. <laughs> <laughs> you are big. You're big girl. We got big girl britches. I do. And um, anyway, before he said, "Who are my mother and my brothers?" They had come to him, but essentially, like, what is Jesus doing? What are they? They were basically calling into question right. his calling, mm-hmm. his vocation, his yep. mission. They and and dare I even say they were they were either either envious or um, or speculative yeah. of what he was. I think doing. they were just misinformed. I just think they didn't have spiritual eyes completely to see and understand what was going on. They were getting in the that way. Too. Yeah, and so he drew a hard boundary, boundary, and he was like, "Listen, but look." When the women with the with the woman with the issue of blood, like pushed through a crowd in mm-hmm. order to touch the hem of his garment, he stopped and he healed her. That's I right. mean, no, he didn't even stop and heal her. He the, the he just came, came out, out of him, him right? right? When the best friends uh, broke a hole into the ceiling where he was preaching in order to lower somebody on a stretcher, mm-hmm. he got healed. Mm-hmm. When. There were so many people who broke boundaries. That's right. That he healed out of what? Compassion. Compassion. And he allowed it. And the people who really did come with spitefulness, with vindictiveness, with mm-hmm. speculation, with a sense of, no, you don't get to do this That's for right. whatever reason. We don't know. 
that's when he drove a hardcore boundary. Renee, that will preach. That is Listen, so good. It's so true. I didn't do three and a half years of Bible school for nothing. Okay. I didn't save myself Listen, from you marriage earned for your nothing. Degree. You earned your degree just right now, finally. Thank God, <laughs> you finally, you earned your degree. Um, okay, so listen, here's the other thing. I had thought about the Jesus' first miracle at the wedding, but it, it lines up with the thing you just so beautifully stated. His mom comes and she's like, Jesus, Jesus, they're running out of wine. Please do something. Because she knows. Oh, she knows. What he's capable of, I feel it's like really maybe, confusing to me. The whole thing is confusing, and he he in, in initially is like, "Woman, no, I'm not doing that." But you know, she kind of does her thing. She she pulls her mom strings, do whatever he says, and then right, she she flatters him. Even maybe I don't know. We, I don't know the tone of what was or the intention, but he acquiesces. He gives in. He performs a miracle. He turns water into wine. He's an obedient Middle Eastern child. So this is what I love about that story, though. And what you were just sharing, I think why it falls in line. He chose then to be compassionate. He actually had a boundary. He already was like, this isn't my time. This is, I'm not supposed to do this yet. He had a boundary, but then he was like, well, he chose compassion. He chose to give a gift even to the wedding party themselves. Yeah. We don't even know who they were. They could have been very important to him. We don't know. But he chose to do that because he knew that in that moment he could do that. And I think that's the other thing about Boundaries, which I had mentioned a little bit about time, they don't have to last forever. Boundaries can be flexible. Yep. That's the thing. They should be flexible. They should be able to adapt to our life and adapt to situations and adapt to the people around us and adapt to when is the appropriate time to – there's always an appropriate time to be compassionate. But am I being called to be compassionate in this way right now with yeah. this person? And um, what's the other one? The other story I was thinking of, Jonathan had shared one. Oh, when Jesus, I think it's in John, and he goes to heal the blind man, and he asks the blind man, do you want to be well? Yes. Yeah, so I don't know if it's the same story. I'd have to look it up because I am also not a biblical theologian. But where he says, what do you want? I forgive you. <laughs> Thank you. And I'll have a degree. <laughs> please, please forgive me. Um, When he says, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, uh, yeah. That's a different story, right? I think I it's know. a different story. But Jesus asks, what do you want me to do? Which I think is such an amazing picture of how to actually set a boundary with someone. Like, what are your expectations Ooh, yeah. of me? What is it that you think that this I need to do for you, question. right? Yes. If we can just even ask people, I'm happy. I would love to participate in this thing you're yeah. inviting me to, or I would like to hear more about it. What are you expecting of me? Listen, this is a culturally responsive practice, people. And I will tell you, we even had this, you know, because a lot of shit happened in 2020. And I remember even, I had learned somewhere, probably on Instagram, because that's where I learned everything this year, <laughs> was... <laughs> Forget my doctoral program. It was I have a doctorate in Instagram, but um, I it's true though. But um, a PhD IG, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I remember, and I felt so self assured. I was like, okay, Nicole, would you like me to listen to you here, or would you like me to give you feedback? Oh, I remember, <laughs> and no, it was brilliant. Did I? What did? How did I respond? Do you remember? <gasps> Uh, you're like, I don't know. What do I want you to do? You're like, I don't know. I said, I don't know. Do I want you to give me feedback or do I want I had you to think to about it? Listen. I had to think about it. I don't know. I probably gave you feedback no matter what. No, that's you gave a perfect me. question so, because. But it, I, that's a good question. Yes. To ask. Do you want me to try and fix this with you? Yes. Do you or want do you solutions need, or, or do you just do you need just to vent? Need to hold space. Right. And I think that's important for both people to ask. 
ask mm-hmm. is like, hey, is, this is, I think, the best part about friendship is like, oh, listen, I can totally be a sounding board and just right. listen to you and hear you like vent off your husband. And I won't tell you to divorce him. I won't tell you to stay with him. I won't tell you to do I'll anything. Just I'll just go. listen to what a right. shitty husband you have tonight. And then tomorrow he'll be the best. Right. Right. And then, good. Or do you really need me to talk to you about like, Right. Do I we really need to talk to you? I've been dying to talk to you about for 10 yeah, yeah. years. Right? Whatever. Those, I think, are good conversations to have. And I think those are good boundaries to have for you too as a listener. That's really good. Okay, this is the other one Jonathan had shared. And Jesus tells his disciples, they're like, they're like the people are hungry. The people are hungry. And he's like, you oh, go yeah. feed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He outsources. Outsource. He outsources that. Outsource your shit. That's right. But that was a boundary he set. Like, he could have been there traipsing around. <laughs> every single person. Feeding, giving food. Give, and, like, he's already tired. He's doing all the work. He was like, you go feed them. That's I right. love that, too. He, he outsourcing and asking people to do things with you <laughs> is another beautiful boundary. Okay, we talked about parents. We talked about church. We talked about friendships. Friends. We spouses. We didn't talk about spouses, but I don't, we do might I not have time to now at my this spouse? point, and we probably will just call it a so, day. One time, our friend Chad got attracted from a cult, and it this said that it story. was so misogynistic. And in it, it said that something about women having penis and being and not refusing sex out of penis and being headaches. Penis and being <laughs> headaches. And I want to say, I saw this actual. I did too. Paraphernalia. It was in like seven-point font, and it was like because three pages. if you he- heard it, you would say that's an impossible thing. No one actually printed a piece of paper <laughs> that said "penis envying headaches" about women, and then distributed it to a home, and then acted as though that was going to move people towards the loving Jesus. But here's where I do happen. think boundaries do come in. Uh, if you don't actually want to have sex with your spouse and you don't feel like enough foreplay is going to get you there, you don't have to have sex. You can be tired and you can go to bed. That's right. And you can have morning sex or you can have next day sex or next week sex. The second thing is, is that your spouse should not be the only person who is um, giving you companionship. I believe that mm, healthy marriages are dispersed Mm -hmm. that you can outsource that shit other friendships and people yes like greg has a day time with and enjoy and laugh with and yes and have jokes with that doesn't have to all be your spouse it actually it just really shouldn't be all your it's true and you know and and greg has a date night every week going climbing with one of his friends i have a date night tomorrow night with you i and this is something that i need to do i have a lot of work in my life and i have a lot of obligations even like the podcast is an obligation it's an obligation that i've largely outsourced but i realized and i invented last time we we recorded i was like everything that i do is to do something and i was like i need to just have fun so lately i've just been having more fun like Mm -hmm. yesterday I called off work early and I watched a movie uh, at four. I started it at four mm-hmm. instead of eight. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing these kinds of things tomorrow. We're just going out to go out. That's right. Just because I know that that's a boundary I need. Like I, everything I do can't be for the sake of accomplishing a goal. Right. Sometimes it has to be just for, for fun, for fun. relationship. And I realize that there's also, I hate the word seasons, but there's also Periods. There is a. I'm in a period of life right now of hustle, where I am going after a goal, and I'm happy to go after that goal, and I'm happy to neglect maybe fun. I don't neglect fun though. Fun is a critical priority. Fun is all season long. It is all season long. But am I slurring at this point? It's possible. 
All right. It's probable. I'm not slurring. I'm not. Evan Evan <laughs> is shaking his head no, and Evan is my wise overseer. But in any case, I think that's important too. That's a self-boundary, I think, is to know where you are, what you need, and to say, I call upon this yeah, it's business really true and good. in order to make myself feel whole. You know, I've been going to bed at like 8 or 9 o'clock every night. Last week, I needed to go to bed early. Go to, If you're p- tired, go the F to sleep. Read Samuel L. Jackson's oh, narrated it's so story. Hard. It's just not a boundary I have for myself, really. I'm just but really sometimes you need that. I don't always have that. Sometimes I push, push, push because I'm like, this is my only alone time I get. Mm-hmm. But sometimes oh, it is I go to me. bed I'm at an nine. Introvert. Homeschooling three children. I'm like, I'm staying up till 1 a.m. I know. But I um, last week I went to bed at nine every night and it did me good. Oh, it's it's definitely needed at times. Um, Another marriage boundary am i like really far from the mic now so we're making um, this a two-parter so the longer we make the second half the better we are the more we drone on and on we're not droning listen um we never drone we We are dynamic (laughs) vivacious women with renee is looking at her breasts as she says all of those adjectives listen there are a lot of my body that could use a little nux and tips but that's nux and tips vivacious very vivacious very vivacious my friend um this happened at church the other night. You were there. <laughs> I was saying how I have a boundary, I guess, in a sense with Jonathan, that there are things that I don't share with him. Like, I remember, <laughs> wait, let me back up. I remember a few, a few, like a year ago, I told you that I don't tell Jonathan everything. And you looked at me like, you were like, what? You're like, you don't tell him everything? I was like, no, I don't tell him everything. I mean, there is no one I tell everything except for Jesus. And I don't even tell him everything. He just knows everything. And so we had a conversation about it. It was good. And I kind of like explained like my thinking on that. had a conversation. No, me and you. I didn't tell him. I mean, he already kind of just knows that about me. He knows I didn't tell him everything. And so I brought it up at church because someone was talking about something. I can't remember what. And I brought up how I really believe it is a beautiful thing to have intimate connection and words and conversation with the Lord that you don't share with everybody. And there are things that I talk with God about and I feel that God's communicated to me that I don't share with my spouse. My husband does not know. That's true. And he will never know because they're between me and the Lord. And someone in our church gathering misunderstood entirely what I was saying in that and was telling me that my husband is about time that my husband and I become one. But I was like, listen. I did, I did yell at him. I was like, listen, we've been one for a minute, okay? I was like, are you um, challenging her? <laughs> yeah, Renee was like, are you challenging her? <laughs> it was perfect. Oh, it was so good. But that that person, just they just missed the cue. But I do think it's good to have things that – I'm not talking about secrets from your spouse. I don't think that's healthy. But I do think there's measures of intimacy that we can have with God that should just be with us that are – for me, as a boundary, I just don't share with everyone. It's true. And since that that conversation was when we were in Prescott, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. We were sleeping in Prescott. And uh, it was so fun to have a slumber party in, in our late 30s. <laughs> but it was the best. But you should do that. Have slumber parties with your girlfriend. That's true. But I, since then, I have been keeping more secrets from Greg. Not but secrets. Not, like secrets. I know. I haven't been telling him everything. Yeah. And it has been 
great. I know. We've talked about it. Makes it. And you're like, I started honestly, doing it. <laughs> it makes me feel sexier. Yes. Because he doesn't get to, because listen, as a four, I like give everybody my all. Uh-huh. And I'm like, listen, you don't need to see my all. That's right. I was like, you can just see this. You're a sphinx. And I am a sphinx. A minx. And listen. A mystery. An enigma. I Yeah, it is. And it's yes. true. And I feel more powerful because sometimes giving too much away weakens you. 100%. And it's not like it's in a power struggle kind of way. But there is something like mysterious and, and wanting. Like Jonathan knows that he's never going to know everything. Mm, I like that. I like that. It's true. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can learn from that. So yeah. So now you don't get to know about everything. So don't know. We, and we're not going to tell you everything here. Although you would think based on this episode that we've told you everything. Listen, you don't even understand the depths of Renee. Okay. <laughs> There is so much more that you I have never to never understand the depths of this woman <laughs> and her vivaciousness. It's true. My my jugs have held a lot more than just milk. Ooh, have they? <laughs> Tell you something. Forget 40 and fab. So Better I, cut that out. I was about ready to get turned 40. I was I had just had a child, all right? My I had my son Judah when I was about 37. And I have always been the youngest of my friends. So I was four when I started school. I was 17 when I graduated. I've always been the youngest. And then when I transitioned to Phoenix, this community, I'm like relative, I'm kind of the oldest. And I'm also older than my husband. So I had this crazy like brain shift. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've, I was just like, what the hell is happening here? And then when I turned 40, I was like, what the hell happened? How did this happen? <laughs> How'd you turn 40? So how did I turn 40? How did I go from 20 to 40 in what felt like a, a, a blink? Anyway, so our friend Juice brought over this kid to, to church. And the kid introduced himself. And he seemed <laughs> so young. I was about 39 at this He's point. Not just even a about kid. 40. You can't say kid. So... So I was, so this kid, whatever his name was, he was like, hi, my name is Pete. And I was like, hi, Pete, how old are you? And he said, I'm 20. And I said, oh, you could have suckled at my teeth. I remember it. I was there. I witnessed the entire thing. Because I was having a meltdown like a 20-year-old man actually could have suckled at my teeth. Yeah. Um, I think Pete had a meltdown in that moment too <laughs> no, because you Pete said those words it. out loud to him. No, listen, I know. I remember. <laughs> listen, I always say the most appropriate thing and it makes people love me. Pete loves me. It, do- it doesn't Pete endear- never got to suckle at my teeth. It does endear but- people to you. It either endears people to you immediately or they're like, what? what? Listen, the people who want to moonwalk out of there can kiss my left nut. Anyway, so... Or suckle at your teeth. <laughs> or suckle. They No, they cannot suckle at my teeth. That's a boundary I have. You are not allowed to suckle at my teeth if you are not interested are, in we me. Are, we're unraveling. Okay. <laughs> anyway, anyway so I said off. this to him. and um, We're signing off now. Anyway, listen, that's a good story. It's a good story. So if I you need to set a boundary, remember that compassion should be your guide. I like how you get right back into your serious voice. I can do it. No problem. All right. Peace. In the Middle East. Always. This day and forth. Every day. Forever. Hooray. Hooray. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) So, here's what we would love for you to do. Rate. Review. Subscribe. And tell us how much you love us because we are just so lovable. (laughs) So lovable. But it actually does make a difference and it does help people find this podcast if you like this podcast and you care about not only but also you know if you drop a little line there on apple podcasts and 
give us a little review. It actually means something. It does. And on Facebook, on Instagram, on any of these kinds of things. Listen, if we in any way have helped you see the both and better, let other people know so they too can see more clearly. We are Noba Podcast everywhere. Thank you.